This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Rick, day one of the 2023 NFL Draft is in the books. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 44. I'm Ryan Wilson, and that's our general manager, fresh from a nap, Rick Spielman, who, <laughs> as you know by now, has more than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings general manager. Rick was not napping. I was doing HQ, had some technical difficulties, but we are here. It's time to go. Rick, it's pretty straightforward. We're here to do a recap of the first round. We're going to talk some winners and some losers. And man, for what some people were calling not a very good class, there was a lot of excitement from top to bottom. Uh, but first, remember, we'll be back on Friday and Saturday after days two and three, and we'll be simulcasting live on CBS Sports HQ. And Rick and I will be together, the band's getting back together, like, uh, what's the soccer podcast that you think we are? Oh, uh, Men in Blazers. Men in Blazers. We'll be together wearing blazers, two handsome ch- chaps, one with hair, one with no hair. Check it out Friday, Saturday, CBS Sports HQ, and on YouTube. Which, by the way, as always, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS and be sure to subscribe. Leave us a comment, give us a thumbs up, and hey, drop a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you like the show, tell a friend. Rick, first impressions just of the overall first round of the draft. I thought it was incredibly exciting from start to finish. Trade ups, trade downs, quarterbacks going, except for, for one that we'll talk about. What'd you think? Yeah, no, first of all, I here in Kansas City and being close to the stage and where the fans were tonight, uh, it was amazing how many people do watch this podcast. And they actually had said, hey, you and Ryan do a phenomenal job on with the first pick. So thanks is that to true story? And, no, I'm just kidding. It's, no, it is. I, a couple of wow. people came up to me and they listened Fantastic. to the podcast. So. It was uh it was a, a, a very nice compliment. So so it made it uh, worth all the time see. all the time we spent on the road together. Now it, it turns out it was worth it. Yeah, yeah. People actually watched the show. That is great. Debo points out there were six trades on draft night itself. And as I mentioned, we're gonna talk day one winners and losers. So first, Debo, I think we have a little something, a little score to settle. I don't know what the scoreboard is right now for the one dollar bets, Rick, but I'm excited to see. And Debo, I don't know if you have uh, an updated tracker, or this is just we're just eyeballing it here. What are we doing? No, this is this is updated. The green means a win. The red means oh. a loss. Oh, oh no. Rick goes <laughs> six and three tonight what? to be up three dollars oh. heading into day two of the draft. I texted you guys, and Ryan was actually up a dollar pretty early in the draft. 
Uh, Rick won four straight, the final four bets tonight, and we have Hendon Hooker carrying over into tomorrow. We thought that one would be settled, but Rick currently up three bucks. So, well, the Giants take a wide receiver in round one. They took Deontay Banks, if I recall correctly, so I lost that. Well, the Packers take a wide receiver in round one. Wait. Oh, yeah, I won that one. Sorry. I said no. Over under two and a half tight ends. I said over. Way under. Only one went. Michael Mayer's still out there. We'll talk about that in a second. Over under 30 and a half. Brian Brzee, draft spot. Rick, you hit it at 30. You got it. That's a true gambler right there. And of course, if you're watching YouTube, you can see these. I'll read these for the people who are listening in the audio version between now and day two starts, if they're just catching up for fun. Uh, who will go number one overall? Uh, Stroud or Young? I got that one. I can't believe Rick said Stroud. That's disrespectful to his yeah, game. Yeah, I, I gave you a dollar. I just I was <laughs> feeling bad for you, so I had to I had to give you something to win. And I gave you the dollar back with the next bet. Will B. John go in the first round? He went eighth overall. I think he will go in the first round. Over under 19 and a half Christian Gonzalez draft spot. That one got interesting. We talked about this yesterday in the pre-draft show with the, the chat in the, in the mailbag, and I thought he would be gone top 10. He somehow lasted to cornerback three. I've heard some reasons why, and we can get into that. And two more. Will Julius Brents be selected in round one? I I thought he would be. I'd heard a little rumor on that. Uh, he did not. But Jack Campbell. So maybe Debo Rick decided to throw us as far off the scent as possible because <laughs> his brother works for the Lions. And he said, no way will Jack Campbell go in the first round. Not only did, did he go in the first round, he went in the middle of the first round to the Lions after they took a running back, Jameer Gibbs, which was the two of the craziest picks of the first round. But I thought. When you have the team set up the way they did, those picks make a lot of sense. We can get into those those as well. So let's start with the winners. Rick, you're a winner because you're winning your early, uh, the early leader in the clubhouse with the dollar bets. We still have two more rounds to hopefully I can make up some ground there. But the Panthers, let's start at the very top. Bryce Young, first of all, the Panthers didn't overthink it. I don't, I, and you know, remind me if I'm wrong, we were unclear heading into our pro day tour that went to the all the four big quarterback schools. We thought that CJ might be the front runner for Carolina. At least I did. Did you feel that way or were you not? No, I, no. I, I felt that uh, Bryce Young, just because of all the boxes that he checked, except for the 5-10-2. Um, and regardless of you or Pete want to argue with me, I will officially say he was 203 or 4 pounds. He was over 200 pounds. So that's what his weight is. No, and, let me ask you this. Did you think that the Carolina Panthers had settled? Because I thought maybe they were leaning CJ. Uh, I, you know, who know who who knows? <laughs> you know, right. yeah. I'm just saying that he was the most complete quarterback. And if he was the same size as CJ Stroud, there wouldn't even been a contest that right. he was going to be number one overall. But he's too special of a player. Uh, he's too special off the field. Uh, checks all the boxes on what it takes to be a successful quarterback in the NFL, which includes work ethic, film study, leadership, you know, the, the uh, S2 score leaked out and he was a top quarterback there. There is really, it's really hard to poke a lot of holes into this player, except for his size. The outfit he had on draft night that I, I docked him two rounds for that. Did you see that thing? <laughs> Uh, I did not. I'm sorry. Salmon colored suit. We'll see if Debo can dig of a picture. Fine. The salmon colored suit looked nice, but it had like uh, sleeves covering his, like where you would have a loincloth, uh, which was also a, a very curious fashion choice. But again, I don't wear $5,000 suits. So what do I know? Uh, <laughs> I thought this was an easy pick for the Panthers. And sometimes I'll well, ask you, 
have you seen instances in your 30 years in the league where teams overthink picks and they get it wrong because they're they're not doing what makes the most sense? They overthink everything up until <laughs> the day of the draft. And, okay. and usually once it gets to Thursday, uh, everything's, as they say, the haze in the barn. They know what they're going to do, and they just they, they go on. Now, what's interesting is, like, you think there was, okay, why they t- if they know who they're taking, why do they not just turn in a card right away? Right. Well, with all the hype and hoopla that goes into the draft and part of the show, is you've seen, and I saw clips of their draft room, they're sitting there. They have to wait until five minutes left in the pick in order to turn their card in. So right at the five-minute mark, I was watching that, and uh, Scott Fritter all of a sudden got on the phone and the rest is history. Yeah. And I think I'm excited to see how this works out because what happens and that's who looks nice. It does look nice. Debo, you have to get from the, from the, like the waist down to see the the craziness that becomes that suit up there. Like it's a, it's a nice looking fit, obviously Taylor made, I would almost be certain of, and he looks great in it. But then it gets a little uh, brave hearty there (laughs) from the, from the waist down. I don't know what happens. We're talking about, uh, Bryce Young's suit. If you're listening to the podcast, if you're watching it, you can certainly see it. Um, but I'm interested to see how this works out because what happens, everyone is excited on draft night, all the teams, all the players that get drafted, of course, but then the rubber meets the road pretty quickly. You have the OTAs and then training camp starts. And then you have the, the, the preseason games where people start making opinions about, especially the quarterbacks. And then you might know two months into the season, whether this guy is the guy or not, but right now, Everyone's won the lottery, and, and that's incredibly exciting. And another team that won the lottery in a very interesting way, Houston Texans. So let me give yes. you my theory, and you can tell me what the, the insider, the GM opinion is on this theory and whether it makes sense. So we'd heard for weeks that Te- Will Levis was going to be almost certainly the number two player taken if the Houston Texans stayed put. And they got Will Levis, but they got him at three, which means they had to trade up. Will Anderson. Will Anderson, thank you. Yeah, Will Levis, I'm sure he doesn't like me saying that. Will Anderson, edge rusher out of Alabama. C.J. Stroud ended up being quarterback two, taking with the second overall pick, something we had not heard uh, rumblings of. And I think what happened, the Titans in particular, it sounded like in the moments leading up to the draft, we're trying to get up to number three where the the Arizona Cardinals sat, presumably to take C.J. Stroud. So the Texans... Flipped what they were going to do. And I, you can tell me, but I would imagine they had this contingency conversation probably earlier. before. Yeah, there, there was probably the way the trades went down. Um, there is a lot of talk going on before the draft, especially when you're making trades that high in the draft. Yeah. Uh, I remember we made a trade with Cleveland uh, the year we drafted Matt Khalil. We moved down. Cleveland traded up for the running back from Alabama. And basically that trade was done probably an hour before the draft. Now, once we got on the clock in Cleveland, we wanted to make sure our, their player was there. Our player was there. So then we turned it in uh, when Cleveland, when we were on the clock and then made the trade. And so uh, Cleveland came up to we, where we were, but there was a lot of discussion going on all day. And then we finalized it about an hour before the draft. So it sounds like the Texans may have had similar conversations with uh, Arizona because they were fearful another team coming up to get the quarterback that potentially they thought might be there at 12. I don't know what the math was there, but Will Anderson didn't go number two. 
Uh, they took CJ Stroud second, which I thought was the no brainer pick. You've been every time we've done a, a group mock draft, either for CBS Sports HQ or the website, you've always, and if you had the second pick, you're taking CJ Stroud because it just, again, not overthinking it. So Will Anderson ends up in Houston as a CJ Stroud picks two and three. They have to give up uh, next year's first round pick in addition to some other picks. But I'll ask you this, Rick. They had two first rounders as part of the Deshaun Watson trade. So I'm sure that was part of the math they did. It still feels it's like it's worth it because you've said from day one, you can't come out of this draft if you're the Houston Texans without a quarterback. Correct. And then if you look at the trade chart, usually, you know, everybody's working off these points and each slot is worth so many points or valued at so many points. And, you know, technically the Arizona Cardinals, if you just want to go off the point system, you want to be within 50 points of each other when you make trades but you're dealing with a quarterback and then you add in the element of D'Amico Ryans, who's a defensive coach slash Alabama alum goes out and gets the best player on the Alabama football team, in my opinion, besides Bryce Young. And I think he's going to be a, uh, a, a great pass rusher in this league. But in order to do that, they gave up 966 points. Yeah, which usually you want to be plus or minus 50. So from a point standpoint, Arizona came out on top. But if you look at the two players right. that Houston was able to get, I would say, you know, the heck with the points. I've got C.J. Stroud, my franchise quarterback, and I've got the number one edge pass rusher in this draft and Will Anderson. I'm as happy as, as it can be because I got two impact players that will be impact players as a rookie yep and Debo points out in, in our rundown here ninth time quarterbacks drafted one and two in the common draft era first time black quarterbacks drafted one and two in NFL draft history so that is certainly noteworthy here head coach D'Amico Ryans was drafted 33rd overall by the Texans from Alabama in 2006 so some synergy there and the Texans are better today than they were 24 hours ago and they had an extra first round pick to play with and if you look at the draft value charges you point out they quote unquote lost but we'll find out once we start playing football whether they're actual who who won and who lost. Um, did you want to go over the grades for this, Debo? When did you want to hit Prisco's grades? No, I'm I'm telling you, ignore Prisco's grades for. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> we don't uh, need can, any of that nonsense. I just I'll just tell you quickly, Rick. He gave this grade for Bryce Young a B minus. He did not like it. Um, all right, let's move to another winner. And I had heard yesterday on Wednesday that the Seahawks were sniffing around Anthony Richardson at five. I heard that they weren't going to take Jalen Carter and that Tyree Wilson was iffy because there were some concerns about his foot. Didn't matter. Colts at four, who we thought might be the only team in on Will Levis, take Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. I've done 40,000 mock drafts. You've done zero, but you've made fun of my mock drafts. And one of the conversations we've had at four is that, well, Shane Steichen, the former offensive coordinator for Philadelphia, now the new head coach in Indianapolis, had a ton of success with Jalen Carter. And Jalen Carter had a lot Jaylen of success. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. We're at the point in the conversation where you have to correct me with the names because I'm so <laughs> punch drunk. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts deserves a ton of the credit for, for their, their success, but so does the Shane Steichen. How do you like the fit of Anthony Richardson with Shane Steichen in Indianapolis compared to potentially Will Levis? I think Anthony Richardson is 
much more comparable to Jalen Hurts than Will Levis is. And the reason I say that, and you could almost say he's Jalen Hurts on steroids because he's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster. Not and, literally, this is just a figure of figure speech, yeah, people. Yeah, yes, please. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. <laughs> only, only one person in this podcast is doing steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Debo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not doing them right. <laughs> he had to turn his money back if he's on them. <laughs> oh, skinny jokes. Go ahead. <clears throat> but uh, he fits the mold of what uh, Steichen was able to do with Jalen Hurts. And right. there was a lot of question on Jalen Hurts' accuracy. And even mm-hmm. last year, before we got into the season, can he throw? Everybody knew that Jalen Hurts was an athlete and can make plays with his legs. But can he become a better and more accurate passer? And I think with the success that they had with Jalen Hurts in Philly, they envisioned that with Anthony Richardson. Now, whether he starts that first game or not, that will yet to be determined. Maybe they go with Gardner Minshew. Um, but when he's ready, he's going to be the quarterback of the future. And for the Indianapolis Colts fans, I think the reign of terror has ended on taking a veteran quarterback every year over the past 200 years that they have done that. So this is your future franchise quarterback. And I think they got a pretty special player if they can get him to improve on some of the areas that he needs to. You've taken two quarterbacks in the first round that I can think of, none quite this high, no. what and none quite this raw. What does Anthony Richardson have to show you in OTAs and training camp to convince you that he's day one starter? I, I think it's just going to be how quickly he picks up, picks up the system, how okay. quickly um, they improve his accuracy and his decision-making. But it's extremely difficult for a rookie quarterback to come in and look like he's probably going to look three years from now. And, right. you know, we went through it, like I said, last year, the biggest point of conversation we were covering training camps was, is Hurst the answer? And Philadelphia has two first round picks. So if he doesn't perform, they have the ability to go up and get one of these franchise quarterbacks. And Tua was the other one. But look what both of those organizations did. They went out and got playmakers around them. They made right trade last year in Philadelphia for A.J. Brown, the receiver from Tennessee. And then you look at what uh, Miami did and Chris Greer did when they went out and made the trade for uh, Tyreek Hill. Seventh quarterback, seventh Colts quarterback drafted in the top five in the common draft area. That's the most of any franchise. And this, speaking of seven, seventh straight season with a different week one quarterback will tie an NFL record for the Colts. And that could be either Gardner Minshew or Anthony Richardson. Uh, for sure. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back and hit some more of these winners before we turn to the losers. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right. Day one in the books. Hard to believe. feels like just yesterday I was saying 75 days till the 2023 NFL draft, and here we are. How many days until day two of the NFL draft? 
Well, uh, it's ours because <laughs> you have to get up in 45 minutes after this podcast to do a show, fly to, to New York, and then we have to reconvene here on set. That's going to be fun for more fun for you than for me. Um, all right. Seahawks, another winner. I love what the Seahawks did. I did not expect them to do what they did. We've typically had edge rusher go there. We've talked about uh, at times quarterback, perhaps. Um, Interior defensive line with Jalen Carter, of course. Nope. Devin Witherspoon, which was sort of surprising when they picked. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba at the end of the first round. And he was the first wide receiver off the board, not until 20, which was a huge surprise. I think a lot of us thought he would go earlier than that, potentially even top 10. Devin Witherspoon ends up being cornerback one. I'm okay with that. It was pretty tight for me between him and Christian Gonzalez. What are your thoughts on what I'll call unconventional based on media perception of what the Seahawks did? Yeah, no, I thought they knocked it out of the park again and give credit to Pete Carroll and John Schneider. But, you know, I was thinking in the back of my head and I have no information on this at all. So let's say they were honed in on Anthony Richardson to come in, learn behind Geno Smith. Well, they were picking five. What did Indianapolis do? Well, they took Anthony Richardson. Right. Then you look at what Seattle did to Detroit, because I believe that Witherspoon fit the mold of a Dan Campbell football player uh, with his toughness, his athleticism, his character. And Seattle said, well, if we don't take the corner here, then Detroit's going to take him. So they one-upped Detroit. But then Detroit made a trade back, and maybe that was the reason I'm just speculating here. I have no knowledge of it. Maybe that's why Detroit ended up trading back. Yeah, uh, probably. Would have been There's no interesting way you if, would know that. Yeah, I don't know that for a fact. And like I said, I will never put myself or my brother in any situation <laughs> where would, uh, where would uh, uh, honestly uh, question our integrity. I respect no, you, everything you and he that. has to do, and, and I know he respects what I have to do. Role reversal, because when he was doing Fox games and I was a GF – I said, Chris, I'm not going to give you that information. And he says, well, I understand. So what are you going to do? I'm not going to give you that information. I understand. But I knew just when you look at the personalities players and you look at the personality of the coaches and the way the team select players, right. Detroit's always going to go with high character, quality football players that are tough-minded and have a passion for the game. And to me, Witherspoon fit that. And you know, it's interesting that you say that. And you are in your integrity is through the roof and to the point of, of being annoying, but uh, that, that there is no doubt about it. But I would say if just anecdotally, based on what I was reading prior to the start of the first round of the draft, just looking at random mock drafts around the, the, the internets there, Devin Witherspoon was almost to a mock draft penciled into Detroit at number six. So a lot of people felt the same way you did. Um, even though your brother works in that organization, I'm sure you guys didn't talk about it. So let's talk about the other pick, Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20. So now they circle back. They could take a Miles Murphy here if they wanted to. Uh, Nolan Smith was still there. He didn't go until 30. Instead, they get Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is going to be lining up with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and it feels like a uh, tip of the cap to Geno Smith saying, uh, if you heard anything about the Anthony Richardson stuff, don't worry about it. We want to get you a wide receiver. Make, yeah. make sure you're happy. Yeah. Yeah, so here's a gift to you. Right. So don't listen to all the smoke out there. We never had any interest in Anthony Richardson whatsoever. And just to prove that, we'll get you another playmaking receiver. 
Did you like this? Uh, would you think maybe Zay Flowers, maybe Quentin Johnson? Was there a better fit, or were you okay with this? No, I thought he was not my number one receiver when this hole started. And I was down on him because I'm old school and he wasn't able to play all year. But the right. way – and everybody talks about the way – how important the pre-draft process is. And when he didn't play because of the hamstring during the year and everybody started questioning it a little bit, is he tough enough, blah, blah, blah. But the way he performed at the Combine, the way he performed at the pro day we were at, the way he ran a four five zero, which we said – that's fast enough once I seen that. He is the most explosive route runner out of this whole draft. And he has excellent hands. And how many people did we talk to that from Ohio State that said they had uh, Alave, they had Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and then Jigba was the best of all of them? Marvin Harrison, Jam- Jameson Williams. I mean, that's a pretty hefty crew. And the other thing is this, a lot of the wide receivers in this class outside of Quentin Johnson are small. Jackson Smith and Jigbo was almost six, one, almost 200 pounds, ran the four five, had the short area quickness that you talked about. And Tyler Lockett is smallish. He plays much bigger than that, but you get another big target for Geno Smith and who plays primarily out of the slot and is able to patrol the middle of the field. So that feels like a win, even though if Seahawks fan or, or mock draft folks like myself think that edge rusher was a need, we still got two more days of the draft, so there, there's time to sort it out. All right, now let's move to one of the first unconventional picks. Falcons at eight have needed cornerback. Christian Gonzalez is sitting there. Yep. There's some word on the street they may want to trade down and get a wide receiver later. Wide receiver sitting there. Instead, they take B. John Robinson running back out of Texas and best player on the board regardless of position. But you okay with that? Little, yeah, I love the pick because I think he is a unique player. And when we're talking about this all the time, you say, well, he's a running back. Uh, and some of our colleagues say you never take a running back that high. There's too many running backs. But he's more than a running back. Just look at how he explosive he is in the passing game. So it's not like he can just run the ball. He can contribute regardless of position many different ways to the uh, Atlanta Falcons offense besides just running the football. Right. And I'm going to, I know it's two down the list, but I'm going to mention the Lions taking Jameer Gibbs here as well. And they took also Jack Campbell, but I'll talk quickly about Jameer Gibbs and we'll circle back about Jack Campbell pick as well uh, in a second. But I want to mention this because we talked about this on HQ with Brian McFadden and Joe Musso, two teams take running backs at eight and 12, two different what they're in two different phases of their development in terms of being Super Bowl teams. The Lions are much further along than the Falcons. Their offense is is pretty well stocked. Offensive line is fantastic. Jared Goff is their dude. They have Amon Ross St. Brown. They'll get Jameson Williams back. Now they have a piece in Jameer Gibbs who we saw and were gobsmacked watching at his pro day, the way in which he moved in the drills and catching passes. He has the ability to be a Christian McCaffrey type player. And that's just one more puzzle piece for Detroit in a division that's pretty wide open. And it makes puts puts stress on the defenses, uh, the other three teams in the in the NFC North. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I do. And uh, the, again, Mir Gibbs is more than just a running back. And I know talking to some folks out there, and, and I believe this as well, you can put him as a slot receiver to create a mismatch because he's labeled running back and a linebacker or safety may try to cover him rather than a nickel back. 
especially if you have Jameson Williams on the other side. And he is a good enough receiver, the way he runs routes, the way he catches the ball, that that's just an added dimension to an explosive already an explosive offense. And when you talk about the Falcons and getting Bijan at eight, best player available, that offense is a completely different phase of development with Desmond Ritter, a young quarterback, get him a running back that can help take the pressure off of him have to, having to do more with his arm. And by the way, Arthur Smith comes from the Titans where they did what? They ran the ball a lot with Derrick Henry, and I think that's how he wants to start this rebuild process in uh, Atlanta. So two different reasons to take a running back on two different teams and two different phases of where they're trying to get to. And I understand both and I'm actually fine with both. Yeah. And look at Atlanta. If you look at, and you mentioned Desmond Ritter, they are putting playmakers around him. So right. they want to make sure that he has every opportunity to succeed. Now it'll be on Desmond Ritter himself to do that. But when you can put explosive playmakers at the receiver position, at the running back position, at the tight end position, that's going to give that young quarterback a chance to have success. Yeah, and then the question becomes, all right, if you can't win with these guys, we'll have to figure that out. But that's that's why you do it. Um, Josh Allen got a ton better when Stephon Diggs got there. And it's, right. it's sort of funny how that works when you give a, a good player, really good players around them. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, just go yeah, down the list. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of the Eagles, another Jalen, Jalen Carter. Goes to pick nine, I think was what the trade-up was. And I'll say this. They also got Nolan Smith to pick 30. I had heard they wanted Nolan Smith at pick 10, but as Jalen Carter started to fall, and we sort of thought he would make his way to nine, where the Bears would not absolutely let him get past nine, uh, we thought maybe Nolan Smith might be a target at 10. Instead, the Eagles somehow get both Georgia players, reunite them <coughs> with Kobe Dean and Jordan um, Davis. Uh, Jordan Davis, I always forget his name. And It's a simple name. I, it really is. I shouldn't be able to. I shouldn't forget it. First, <laughs> I'll ask get you. get some sleep tonight. <laughs> I know. Were you at all shocked? I found a coffee shop for you too, Rick. It's one of my favorites, so we'll hit that on Friday. Were you at all shocked that the Bears said, you know what? We don't want Jalen Carter, and we'll only give him a fourth-round pick to move down? Yeah, that was – they must have not felt comfortable with all the concerns, not on the field as much as off the field. So every team, when you're sitting there having those – internal meetings deciding not on the player's ability but whether we want this player to be part of our organization or not everybody has a different opinion so philadelphia feels very strongly about the leadership they have in their locker room this fills a huge need maybe the biggest need they had on the defensive side of the ball and when you get a jalen carter and when you type of leaders they have on that football team and plus his Georgia teammates which I'm sure Howie Roseman asked Jordan yeah. Davis asked N'Kobe Dean what type of player what type of kid is he can we trust him will he fit in our culture and I'm sure he got a glowing endorsement from his teammates and N'Kobe Dean is a leader through and through we talked to him last year at the combine uh, he's a he takes academics very seriously he was an engineer as well I do believe and uh, he exuded leadership, and he only fell to the third round last year because of injury concerns, I believe. So uh, he'll have an opportunity to show some more of that leadership with Jalen Carter. And by the way, if you get the right Jalen Carter, that's a huge problem for the rest of the NFC East. And then, Rick. Oh, yeah. 21 picks later, 
Like, oh, yeah, let's take Nolan Smith, which we wanted 21 picks prior. He's still there. Let's get him, too. And Brian McFadden, our buddy uh, on CBS Sports HQ, has been on the podcast, BMAC. He said one of the real losers tonight is Nolan Smith because Jalen Carter cost him so much money. He was supposed to go 10. <laughs> yeah, but they have – they seem to have – I don't know if the right word is fetish, but they go after Georgia players and – you know, Kirby Smart, they, they've done an incredible job down there in, in national championships and maybe the premier program in the country right now. Uh, but they're going after players that come from a program that has dominated the collegiate level. Uh, do you think about this if you're the other three teams of the division? Do you look at what the, the Eagles have done on day one? And you go, oh, my God, we have to deal with this. Or are you just more concerned about your business? You're concerned about your business, but you're watching what other teams are doing doing and how they're filling their needs so uh i would imagine after this draft that how he was able to put together to fill the needs especially on the defensive side of the ball uh that they're going to be the favorites to win the nfc uh next year and get to back to the super bowl all right one more uh, winner before we go to break i mentioned lines and jameer gibbs at 12 and then they get jack campbell as well the linebacker to iowa there have been some buzz you talked about it pete briscoe talked about him possibly going in round one uh, and he did. And I watched him in the fall. I didn't love him. I watched him again recently, the Ohio State tape, and, and I, I understood. Incredibly smart player. Tested through the roof. His short area quickness, uh, three cone and short shuttle were also through the roof, but he plays that way. And now he's going to be lining up with uh, Rodrigo, Malcolm Rodriguez. And that is something that's incredibly fun to think about because he's – and you talk about building through the middle, and, and this is an example of that. Yeah, but – also, they check the box of what Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes want. They want solid, very good football players that have passion for the game, and they're extremely high-character type players. So when you're building a culture in your locker room and why Detroit has made such a turnaround is because they're drafting good football players, but they're drafting high-character football players that love the game, and that fits uh, the culture that uh, Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes has established. Yeah, and the defense was a concern at times. Last year got better towards the end of the year, so Jack Campbell helps with that. And uh, I asked if other teams are worried about what the Eagles have done in that division. Uh, Debo points out that Micah Parsons said after the Eagles got Jalen Carter, he said, I'm sick to my stomach right now. <laughs> <laughs> so he knows, he knows what's coming. Let's take a quick break, and we'll start to look at some of these losers. So I'll mention quickly one more winner before we get to the losers. Lamar Jackson, he made a lot of money on Thursday. And then he gets uh, who I like to call Antonio Brown light in the way he plays. Zay Flowers, the wide receiver out of Boston College, second wide receiver off the board. And he's he's special. Now they have Od Odell Beckham. They got Nelson Aguilar, uh, both veteran wide receivers. None is dynamic right now. This, this stage of their career, Zay Flowers is. Rashad Bateman went early a few years ago. He hasn't quite worked out yet. Uh, he had injuries last year. That's an opportunity for him. And, of course, Mark Andrews, the running back. So a lot of weapons for Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews is a tight end. Yeah, he's a lot of – but he's his primary weapon. But he is yeah, a tight end. Yeah, but he's yeah. not a running back. Oh, sorry, I said running back. Tight end, thank you. Yeah. Well, you, you, I'm glad you're paying attention. I'm glad you got that nap in before the show because <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, right, so Lamar Jackson's also a winner. By the way, I'm a loser because I don't know anyone's name, but uh, we'll, we'll see if we can fix that. So Zay Flowers, do you like that pick, by the way? Or did you want him to go cornerback? No, I, I thought 
they could have went either direction, but when you complete the contract that they did with Lamar Jackson, again, you want to give your premier quarterback every opportunity to have success right. and not have to just rely on his legs and his ability to make plays when he has to scramble. Now, that whole receiver room looks totally different than it did a year ago. So they have a lot of explosive weapons on the offensive side of the ball. They gave Lamar Jackson a huge contract and playmakers around him. All right, so let's talk about some of the losers. We've got to start with Will, um, Will Levis, of course, out of Kentucky. I mentioned to you that I heard that Will Levis might fall a little bit, and I heard there were some concerns that it might be close, whether he goes in round one. I think in my last mock draft, I had him going 21st, like towards the bottom of the first round, I had a team trade up for him. The Titans, I had come back in to round one to get him. The Titans went with Peter Skaronsky in real life. And once he got past 19, where the uh, Buccaneers were picking and the Buccaneers took Kalaja Kansia, if I, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And they did, which is quick aside. You said that it makes sense for Kansia to go somewhere where there's someone big next to him. Vita Vea fit, fits that description. So that, yes. that makes sense, right? Yes, and we talked about him compared to like if the New York Jets had went with him with Quinn and Williams. Right. But you got uh, the big nose tackle at, at Tampa Bay. Now you got Vita Bay, interior yeah. pass rusher. Yeah. All right. So Will Levis. So he didn't go at nineteen. He didn't go at all. Um, I I sort of wish that cameras would quit showing him when they got to that point in the process. But that's drama, I guess. I, I felt bad for the young man. And, you know, it's going to be a long night for him, I would imagine. And I just say this. Geno Smith was angry when he didn't get drafted in the first round in 2013. He left Radio City Music Hall. He did not come back. And he eventually found his way to where he is now. So there is a silver lining to this. But it's hard to take away from anything other than there's a lot of conversation about him going top 10 and then top five and then maybe somewhere in the first round. Is this and a shoot? some of us, our colleagues, thought he'd be the first overall pick in this year's draft. Yeah, that's Pete Prisco. We can name names. Is this more a – and Pete will tell you, he's talked, he's talked to folks in the league who thought Will Levis was QB1. But is this more the right. immediate creation like last year with the quarterbacks, or is this a situation where just no one knows what's going to happen and a lot of times teams don't know what other teams are doing? No, it's, it's you know, as much preparation as you put into this and all the hours and hours of meetings and psychological testing and – analytics and everything that goes in to try to make a decision. I know I counted one year, we had 85 people that were involved in our process. So you're gathering all that information and trying to come up and decipher what is good, what is bad to come up for the best decision of, for your organization. Now, I don't know why Will Levis, uh, because I do believe he is a first round draft pick. Usually, and I was surprised because if you want to go get a quarterback, I thought maybe someone would trade up late in the first round to get that fifth-year option, uh, but no one did. So he's probably going to go very early in the second round. There's going to be a lot of quarterback needy teams uh, in that top 10, and you can see a lot of jockeying for position tomorrow. And that's why Friday, when you have that first pick on Friday and you have that first pick on Saturday – those are invaluable. And, you know, when you look, Debo just put up the sign, which team needs a quarterback? Pittsburgh, no. Arizona, no. Maybe Detroit. Indianapolis, no. The Rams. 
And some of the comparisons out there were, is he Matthew Stafford? Right. So that may be the first true threat if you want to go get Levis, that you better jump up uh, in front of the Rams if you're trying to anticipate what the Rams are thinking. Seattle, yeah. right after that. Well, Vegas. let me ask you about Seattle. So Seattle's situation feels differently now based on their first two picks when they didn't get Anthony Richardson, if that's who they were targeting. And unlike Anthony Richardson, it's unclear if Will Levis needs to sit for two years behind Geno Smith. So that feels a little less like a good fit, or is that am I off on that? Well, unless they think, you know, maybe – how long is uh, Jordan Love sat? How long did Aaron Rodgers sit? So yeah. who knows what, you know, what teams are thinking. So – but if they do decide to go that route, the, I guess it's going to be depending on the board. But the one thing I'll say about Seattle and trying to read the tea leaves is that no one gave them a chance last year after they traded Russell Wilson as we mm-hmm. were going through this process. And the job that Pete Carroll and John Schneider did, they knocked the draft out of the park, and all of a sudden they're in the playoffs. Now they may have the mindset of, we have Geno Smith. We can wait a year or two if we want to go get a quarterback. But we just knocked it out of the park in the first round again tonight. So that's going to make our team even better than it was a year ago. But look at the young core that they're building. You got two shutdown corners now. Oh, and yep. so they're <laughs> it'll be interesting uh, in the NFC West how that power or that shift happens where Seattle may be the league dog out there right now. All right, I'm going to ask you two questions. Detroit, Los Angeles Rams, Seattle Seahawks, Las Vegas Raiders, all are going to pick pretty early on day two as we sit here. Would you rather have Hinton Hooker than Will Levis? And which team is going to take the quarterback first? Uh, I'm going to guess the, the, hot, the hot spot will probably be the Rams. All right. Uh, I don't know if Detroit – will go quarterback this early, especially with all the talent that is still on that board. Uh, that will, you know, yet to be determined. But it will be interesting to see if someone trades up. And I wouldn't be surprised. Now, this would be a, sh- a shock a lot of people, but I've kind of been a Hendon Hooker fan since we were able to sit down with him at the Combine and you go back and you reevaluate and the type of kid he is um, that – you know what? We can do another dollar bet, Debo. Oh, gosh. What's I will go out on a limb since he's down and he's probably going to lose uh, that Hendon Hooker goes before Will Levis. Let's you put that even, bet on there. You won't even call me by name when I'm, I'm losing so bad. You said him. <laughs> yeah, him. <laughs> <laughs> Is that already a bet, Debo? Do we have some Hendon Hooker bet or was that that he would go in round one? You actually took that Hendon Hooker would be quarterback four off the board. So oh, you're trying to exists. take my bet. I oh, quarter- so, okay. Well, we'll reset it. So you're saying that he will go before Will Levis tomorrow. I think that's what Deba. I think that's what we agreed to recently. That's agreed to. I mean, Ryan, if, if you're trying to make a comeback, I'll allow it. I put some rules in place for the $1 bets, but I'll allow a switch at this point. No, I need that. I'm going to win that one. I feel, I feel better about Hendon, I think. Than Will Levis? Yeah, I got a feeling. Okay, we'll keep it, Debo. And I didn't get the rules. No, uh, the he's trying to help you get back in it. Yeah, he's just trying to help you get back in it. <laughs> but the biggest dollar that I will win is getting from LaGuardia to Stanford, Connecticut, in less than an hour 
once I land. But the clock does not start until I actually get in the rent a car. That's fine. No, that's right. You got to get in the rent a car. People here, Mick, are they're they're mixed down the middle, split down the middle on, on whether you'll be able to do it or not. Some people think it's and you know they they live in the greater New York City area. They think you might. So we'll we'll see. You're on a hot streak here. You're six and three. So you're you're doing <laughs> something right. Got to look at an actual paper map while he's driving. There's no <laughs> chance he makes it. Trip ticks. Remember trip ticks? Yeah. No, I don't. But I do remember <laughs> buying a road atlas, and I was very disappointed when I rent a car that they don't hand out the paper maps anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> a trip ticket is when you go through AAA, and they would they would actually map out the the actual route for you, and you would just flip through the the map so you didn't have to open up the big thing while driving like uh like your chevy chase in christmas vacation or something what, why right. were you guys laughing at me when i send you that snapshot of how long it takes to get from laguardia to stanford the studios in stanford it's connecticut gonna be, it's gonna be close that's all i'm saying and by the way the worst part is you might get here in 45 minutes getting from uh the front gate to find in the parking spot into the building that's where you're going to lose about 20 minutes because it's a no, little tricky. once once i touch the gate i'm in <laughs> oh okay i didn't know that part all right another loser christian gonzalez and he's not really a loser he goes to a great organization in in the uh, patriots but i say that because he was number seven on our cbs aggregate big board he was my cornerback one in my final mock draft i had him going third to the cardinals i heard that Paris johnson was more likely a destination and that's i think what happened after the cardinals traded back down and up to six, um, but he lasts at 17. And I'll just mention my convoluted theory here, Rick, and tell me what you think. So at 14, the Patriots are sitting there, and I think they wanted Lucas Van Ness, who went 13 to the Packers. So then the Patriots say, you know what? We'll trade down. And they trade it with the Steelers only for a fourth-round pick to move up for the Steelers to move up three spots. And I think they did that because they did not want Broderick Jones to go to the Jets, who was in their division, who has Aaron Rodgers now, and they were willing to move down, let the Steelers leapfrog the Jets to get Broderick Jones. What do you think of that? Well, the only thing that I would ask you is because Pittsburgh was also potentially in the market for a corner as well. You know, they signed Pat P, Patrick Peterson, but that was a short-term solution. They lost Cam Sutton, who ended up signing with Detroit. Um, so it was, you're taking a risk there. Now, the question is when you call and GMs talk sometime and they'll say like, who are you taking? And I'll say, we're not going to tell you who we take. Oh, I was okay. going to ask you that. So sometimes, yeah. sometimes, so sometimes you, you say you go on offense or defense mm. and then I know I want offense. And if that other GM says, well, we're going to go defense and I'll say, okay, we'll make the trade. Because I didn't think that New England thought that the Jets would take a corner. They just took Sauce Gardner last yeah, year, defensive right. rookie of the year. So there may have been a lot of – there was a lot of cat and mouse that people don't see. But those phone calls, I wish I had recorded some of the phone calls when you're going <laughs> back and forth GM to GM. And it's all cordial. Like you're not yelling and screaming at each other. No, no, everybody. It's you have to do business. You know, there's only 32 of you. So you're going to be doing business while you're in the GM seat. So it's cordial and it's, you know, a little bit. Uh, oh, great job. Great draft. We really like that guy, too. He was high on our board. A lot of, you know, patting each other on the back. And then, oh, by the way, who you taking? <laughs> Maybe so you should consider. 
just pretend that I'm a general manager when you talk to me, and that way you could say, "Hey, good job, pat on the back," instead of uh, crushing my comps. That could that could be uh, something to think about. Wait, I'll, I'll I'll think. Okay, I thought about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so here's the, the Cardinals are on the loser list. They get Paris Johnson after trading back, but they're on the loser list because of the tampering trade that came down. And I saw it in passing. I don't have the details on it. Do you have the details, Rick? Do you understand what's going on there? Yeah, I think they flopped third round picks and then Philadelphia got an extra fifth round pick. What and was the What was the charge? The charge was that Arizona had reached out to Jonathan Gannon right after the NFC championship game. And that is a dead period. You cannot talk to potential head coaching candidates who are still going to the Super Bowl. So that is an absolute no, no. So probably what happened, the NFL found out the, well, it said that Arizona self-reported. So they were trying to ease the sentence that the NFL was probably going to hand down because yeah. that's fines and a loss of draft picks. What was interesting, and I've never seen this happen before, again, the first in my uh, career, is that they kind of did a settlement. So you know you're going to go to a jury trial, and before you get to that trial, you end up doing a settlement on the side. Right. But the league had to approve that settlement. So I'm sure with Philadelphia – said that we're fine with this. Arizona said, this is what we're willing to do. We both agree to this trade. And then the NFL put its blessing on it because you couldn't do that trade without the NFL and the commissioner putting uh, their blessing on it. And the other loser we have is the Lions lo- lose the trade. I'm sorry. They lose the trade with the Lions for number six. And uh, What's that, Debo? I just can't see the link. That's just a breakdown, Rick. Do you want to break down how the points work in, in that situation? Yeah, it wasn't as significant as the first trade that we talked about. It ended up on top for 399 points. Again, the target rate is plus or minus 50 on the charts, right. depending on what chart, you know, teams have kind of developed their own charts. But in our situation, we always try to be in that range. So, 399 points is equivalent to a high second round pick. Mm. All right. So, but that's how we kind of determine, uh, is it too rich or not too rich based on who's plus or minus on the points. Right. And as you mentioned earlier, the Texans on paper took a bath. We'll see if Bryce Young and Will Levis work out in real life, because if they do, no one's going to care about it. No one gives a care about the damn points. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Uh, another, I don't call it a loser, but another interesting twist in this first round, which had a lot of them is Will McDonald, the fourth one in the first round. And you had mentioned several times that there's a real chance that he, he goes in round one. We thought probably closer to the bottom of round one, uh, six, three and a half. He weighed two forty one at the combine. He played probably closer at times to like two twenty ish, uh, which is incredibly thin for an edge rusher. He played five tech, four tech, uh, which is two, you need to play outside. And you've said that a bunch, 35 inch arms, but he ends up going to the jets and he ends up going pick 15. So that pick came after the Steelers leapfrog them for Broderick Jones. They take the edge rusher, Emmanuel Forbes, a cornerback goes to Mississippi state. And then the Patriots take Christian, uh, Christian Gonzalez there too rich. For yeah, you? I think, yeah, I thought he was going to be sneak into the bottom of the first round. 
Right. But was interesting when you were watching that, you were seeing the clock tick, 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 tick. And you saw, I believe it almost got to under a minute before the uh, pick was made. So I'm sure once the Roderick Jones went off the board that they were trying to trade out of that pick. And it may have been, and again, I'm just speculating on some of my experiences. It may have been they weren't able to get out of that pick, but they had to pick a need. And I think that helped fill a need. But I think yeah. that was the best player on their board at the time and how they had their board stacked. But I'm guessing because of how close that clock got down to zero, and I can't remember the exact time, but I'm just watching it. I knew they were probably working the hell at the heck out of the phones trying to make a trade after Broderick Jones uh, was taken. Right. Last year, first round, they got Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and then traded back to get Jermaine Johnson, who you know very well, edge rusher out of Florida State. And now they get another edge rusher, different body type, and Will McDonald, the fourth. So we'll see how his role develops because he probably needs to gain weight. He's going to have to be – is he a designated pass rusher early on? Yeah, he'll be – he's not going to be – a as we would describe a 17-game, 60-snap player, he'll yeah. probably start out as a rotational guy and see how he grows into that position and how he physically matures over the next two or three years. And then finally, the one of the last sort of crazy moments in this first round, pick 20, we already talked about Jackson Smith and Jigba, the first wide receiver off the board going to the Seahawks. And then the next three picks – one after the next were wide receivers. Quentin Johnston went to the Chargers, which was sort of a surprise uh, in that they Why have would you say I, I disagree with you on that? When you look at Mike Williams' durability concerns, you look yep, at the that's age a, of that's what Allen. Said, the durability, yep. Yep, so this is, a, I think, a great pick. Gives I, Herbert another outstanding uh, young man receiver. I'm going to lose that <laughs> bet because you haven't said it once, but you had a heads up not to say it or you're going to – lose another dollar, but he fits the mold of those outside tall athletic receivers. And this is going to give Herbert another playmaker. I don't get me wrong. I like it. Quentin Johnson's my, my wide receiver too. Uh, I just thought here, I thought maybe a slot receiver might be more in line. Zay flowers, who obviously we talked about went with the next pick. I think Quentin Johnson's going to have a ton, have a ton of success because uh, guess he's throwing with the football. And then Jordan Addison, who, has gotten some late first round, early second round buzz, and he goes to join Justin Jefferson in, in that offense in, in Minnesota, and that's going to be fun to watch too. I'll ask you this question, and this is what was put to BMAC on, on set. Is Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson last year in 2022, is that group, is that duo going to be better than Jordan Addison, JJ, 2023? Well, at the I think Jordan Addison, there's no question about his route running ability. I made the comparison uh, to Devontae Smith, almost similar in size, right. similar 40 time, similar route runners, explosive playmakers. So this is getting the Vikings younger at the position. And even though it is a first-round pick, it is a cheaper version of yeah uh to help from a cap standpoint and by the way i made a new rule every time you click your pen you owe me a dollar so you're you're now losing my 35 dollars. i have no pen oh i thought i was hearing clicks i thought no. that was you 
I apologize. You get your $35 back. All right, let's do best player available. I don't know what that was. That was Debo. Um, You're hearing things. Yeah. The, the, the way I'm going, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you got to so have some stamina on this business. You're, you're losing it. It was, was like day, day three of our pro day tour. You were right at the uh, edge of uh, hitting the wall. Ball, pretty I was, hard. I was dra- dragging for sure. So Joey Porter Jr. He is 13th on my big board. He's 12th on the aggregate big board. Uh, Brian Branch is still out there. We talked about Will Levis, Michael Mayer, Drew Sanders, Cam Smith is probably not. He may not go in round two. We'll see what happens. Osiris Torrance. We'll see if he goes up the board. I know there's some injury concerns uh, that could prevent him from getting drafted. A couple other names I'll throw out at you off my list over here. Rick Keon White, who we've both talked yep. about, the Georgia Tech edge rusher. Yeah, I was uh, just checking my list. Go ahead. Luke Musgrave, the tight end of Oregon State. Juju Brents, one of our favorite cornerbacks out of Kansas State. We've talked about Hinton Hooker. BJ Ojolari, the edge rusher at LSU. Those are some names could go pretty early on day two. Any names you want to mention? Oh, I'll mention one more. Cody Mock. I think yeah, he goes pretty was, early. Yeah, one of your uh, favorites. Uh, fine young men favorite list. Fine young men, absolutely. You got any guys that uh, you are... No, those are all relatively the same. I think that that, uh, that just tells you a lot of these guys were mentioned in the first round. Yeah. Um, so when you're at the top of that second round, you're actually going to get, you know, everybody talks about, well, this isn't a deep draft. Well, look what's left on the board. So you're right. going to get players that have first-round ability or people saw as first-round talent, but now you're going to get them in the second round. All right, before we go, the Steelers traded up to get Broderick Jones. They have pick 32. If you're Pittsburgh, what are you doing? Or in addition, in terms of a player, or would you think about trading that pick if you get a sweet deal? It depends on what the deal is. But if someone's coming up and get the quarterback, they're going to have to pay, pay a premium. But that's invaluable to get the best player. And you can see how many good players are on there. I wonder... If they stay, they didn't take the corner. They got the offensive lineman they needed. Does the legacy pick come into play at 32? So BMAC and I talked about this. BMAC obviously played for the Steelers two-time Super Bowl champ, second-round pick 2005. We think Brian Branch might be a better fit. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I would agree to that because he is a multi-position player. Right. He can help at Nick. He can line up at free safety. Uh, so he may have more value to Pittsburgh and he's a very good football player. Joey Porter is a very good football yep. player, but he's an outside corner only only. So are these teams starting to say, well, look, I have someone that has some position flexibility, which may be more valuable as a pick. Yep. No, that's, that's a, a great point. So um, that's it. That's a wrap on episode 44. It is 2.08 a.m. Eastern. Luckily, only 1.08 a.m. Eastern, where Rick currently is. It is nine hours past Rick's bedtime, so he's got to get to bed so he can get up early. What a crazy round one. I'm not going to lie, Rick. I was dragged a little bit earlier this week, but I had uh, a lot of fun watching those uh, first 31 picks unfold. A lot of crazy things happen, which makes it so much fun. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. It's a five-star review there. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Rick. Thanks to Debo for producing. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening. And we'll see you back here in a few hours. Watch. Put on your seatbelt. It's going to be a wild round two tomorrow. (laughs) 